Welcome to the Clash Magazine podcast. In our launch episode, our editor Sarah Harper spoke with Sir Paul McCartney in London on Wednesday the 2nd of June. So I begin by asking why you, uh, why, why you wanted to come with Clash? And what was we're it? coming with Clash. Uh, I just wanted to do uh, interesting things. So, you know, there's a few publications that I kind of like um, that are just a little bit off the beaten track. Yeah. Uh, and a little bit less obvious, and uh, I like that. You know, I, uh, it's more exciting mm-hmm. than just doing the sort of same old, same old all the time. So that was it, really. I just uh, there was, um, to be honest, a lot of consternation in the office because some people thought, you know, is it going to work for the audience? Is yeah. it going to work? So what makes you think that the new album is going to be relevant to a younger readership? A readership. Um, well, I don't know if it is, you know, that's the truth. Um, I suppose that's for you to decide. Yeah. You know, if you do this article and it's crap, <laughs> you won't use it. Yeah. Which is fair enough, you know. Um, I don't know, you know, I, I, I don't want to have to, like, justify it. Mm-hmm. But, as I am going to have to, I would say that, um, like a lot of music that people do today is rooted in music for that uh, we did in the 60s a lot of it kind of comes from then so um, I don't know if something, something I'm doing there may be some sort of crossover relevance or something mm-hmm. depends if people like it yeah. I like it so you know it's okay by me there's been much said about you signing to the Starbucks label um, so first of all what made you go with that leave your uh, for your for pop releases, leave your label you've been with so many years to go with uh, Starbucks. About a year ago, I was making the record, the, this memory almost full record, and um, really enjoying being in the studio, singing, writing. And it suddenly hit me that the minute it was going to be released, I was going to get like really bored by entering the machine and the corporate world and going to be talking to people who were like semi-enthusiastic about what was going on in the world, you know. So I, t- I started talking to my producer, David Kahn, who's a cool guy, and I just said, you know, we should do something so as it isn't boring. No matter what it is, we should maybe talk to people who've got a different slant on it, yeah. hence Clash. Uh, we should um, look at another way to release it, so as it just doesn't go through all the old uh, boring moves that you do. There's a way you release a record yeah. that everyone has to do, really, or there has been up until now. And it's, it's very boring. You go on, you know, promotional tours, and... What the, the fun thing was, um, my um, dread was talking to people saying, well, what are we going to do then? And they to say, you're going to Cologne. Why? It's the center of Germany. Yes. Why? And we had this joke, you know, like, Cologne. Because what, that's what they do. Take you to Cologne and they bus in everyone from... Germany and France and Italy and Switzerland and you spend the whole day 
doing the same interview about 60 times and it is mind-numbing and I just couldn't stand the thought I just thought no I don't care where what happens I can't do that now I've got nothing against people from Cologne or the city itself it's a wonderful cathedral city but the idea so this became the thing anything but Cologne you know so we started to think well what might that be then okay well and he had a mate who um, had just been appointed uh, one of the heads of music at Starbucks so he said you should talk to him so I started talking to him he said oh we do albums we said we've got 400 stores in China so it started actually just sound interesting yeah. it was nothing more than that really it was just it was more interesting than what was going to happen mm-hmm. more interesting than the bad dream so I said oh okay let's have a look into that so we looked into that and you know what happened they had a passion they actually were wide awake going to drink all that coffee <laughs> and they were like yeah we do this man. Hey, I, say, I love that track. This is great. That's a really cool track. And I was like, yeah, okay. Well, well, I can work with you. So that happened, and then iTunes happened. There'd been a dispute with the Beatles and Apple, our Apple and Mr. Jobs' Apple, um, and that was getting settled. That's that's going to be settled. So I knew I could do stuff with iTunes. So that became exciting. So we we got the Starbucks release, the iTunes thing talking to different magazines, doing different radio shows, doing different TV things, promoting it just a different way. All with really one thought in mind, for keep it exciting. Yeah. Because releasing a record used to be really exciting. Probably is for like a young band. It's the first time. But in actual fact, I still think even for a young band, it's a little less exciting than it used to be. Because it used to be just a buzz and a half, you know? So we just said, well, we're going to make it mm-hmm. that happen. So that's what all this stuff's about. What about like, the accusations of it being sort of, like, sort of a corporate business and you sort of went with this business rather than a label? Do you think it's... Well, you know, they're all corporate businesses. Yeah. The minute you get inside an office, office, it's a corporate business, you know. Even the indies these days are kind of pretty corporate. Um, it doesn't matter to me, you know. It's, what you're looking for is a machine to get your music to the people and generally speaking that's got to be like a shop mm-hmm. or a string of shops or um, a computer network you know and the more people you want to reach the the more of a sort of machine you, you have to deal with you know but if it's an exciting machine I don't think that matters I think it's another nail in the coffin of the, the kind of uh, music industry like the yeah the majors the major labels yeah well, David Kahn said it's like he said the, the majors now as, as we call them the, the, the record labels God bless them because you know they're cool they're good people they've lost their way of it they're floundering they don't quite know what's happening he said it's like the dinosaurs sitting around discussing the asteroid and there is a bit of a feeling of that even the companies themselves will tell you that so I just sort of thought, well, you know, I mean, it is changing. It's a changing world. And now a lot of music is bought by the internet. Uh, a lot of, a lot of uh, stuff is bought in Tesco's or in coffee shops yeah. and things. You know, it just doesn't, it's not record shops anymore. Tower Records in LA closed. That was a nail. It was a big nail because that was like, yeah, man, Tower Records, you know. If you go by, have you ever passed it? No. If you, you know, you'd go by it, 
I'm town dropping now. But you'd go past it, you know, and there'd be like big pictures of Springsteen, the Black Crows, and so it's always like, yeah, our world is big. No. And then it closed. So um, it's all just changed. So the idea was either change with it or, or don't. And to me, the idea of just doing something different fitted yeah. with all of that. So do you still feel um, pressured to deliver uh, a new product to the market? Is there such a demand for your albums? I don't think of it like as a new product. I mean, I don't like all those words, the record industry, <laughs> the music business, a new product. You know, I don't like to think of it like that. To me, it's songs of mine that I want people to hear, just because I think they're good. What thing is the pressure from you then? You get all these build-up songs that you want to, you yeah, know, it's you just, to get in? Yeah, it's what I do, and I could not record them, if that's what you mean. You know, I could just record them on a little tape cassette and demo, and that would be fine. But, um, you know, come on, man. I mean, I know there's enough people out there want to check them out. Yeah. It's not like there isn't anyone out there. It's not like I'm like, you know, somebody who can't get arrested, you know. It's like I know there's at least the people who come to my shows in America, and that's like a lot of them. And there's people here who like, you know, some of what I do. So even just for them. And then, you know, it's what you do. It's like, um, it's the same reason you always did it for. You know, why does a young band want people to hear them. What is it? Why do they? Because they think they're good. Mm -hmm. And they, that's what they do. So they go out and they play, you know. Uh, and if they're lucky, they make a record of it. Or they, they get on MySpace or something. They, they get, you get it out, you know, and that's, that's the trick, is to just get it out. And, you know, it's not, uh, it's, yeah, some kind of addiction. But it's a good one. Have you joined the MySpace revolution yourself? No. <laughs> you no I've got my own MySpace. I've got one called MySite. Yeah. Like the word eyesight with an M in front of it. Um, no, I mean, but I think that's a good idea, all yeah. that stuff. You know, it's kind of nice to, to be in the access for people. Um, I'm like not computery. I'm really not. You know, I'm not. Um, my only thing I use is I've got a music program, so I write on music program so I'm, I'm pretty good with that so I can kind of operate that and I've been doing that long enough to kind of know my way around that uh, the rest of the time I'm not really interested in walking through a virtual world now I want to walk through the square here yeah and see these real trees I don't really want to walk through a picture of it so second life isn't something that I'm going to sit at home and live in no, I'm, I'm in the, this one, this first life, you know, it's, it smells better. Yeah. It's like fresh air and so, stuff. So, so you, you know, sorry, sorry. So, no, I was going to say, so if you were looking, um, if, you don't, if you don't do MySpace and stuff, if you were interested in discovering new music or you wanted to um, check out some new bands, you know, how would you go about it? Uh, Look on MySpace and do that kind of thing, you know. But uh, I presume that you can't really get out to, if you want to, a, a gig or something. No, I can, I can get out anywhere. That's a, that's a myth about me and about people of a certain degree of fame, um, you'd be surprised, you know. I can get out anywhere I want to get out. Um, okay, when I, if I fall down a, a little club, you know, if I like happen down some club one night, um, yeah, I'll get noticed. 
I'll get like looks that they won't give to other people because it's Paul McCartney down here and it's kind of weird to see him down here. But then people get over it really quick and it's just like, oh, well, it's only Paul McCartney down here and we're still having the same buzz as long as I don't wreck the vibe. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, really brain down, man, which I generally don't. Um, you know, it's good. And I, I'd say, you know, people don't, people do, there's this myth that you can't get out shopping, you know, that somebody brings stuff to you all the time. But it's not true. I mean, I, I do all that. I go to pictures regularly. Just saw Meet the Robinsons, in fact. Right. Thought it was rather cool myself. I've still not seen it. I'm new, see? <laughs> You're not grooving me. You're not up with the trend. Lack of life, so. No, I mean, the, the point being, yeah, I get out. Uh, if I want to go and see a band and stuff, I can, I can do that. It's maybe not what I do as much as I would have when I was actually uh, on the band scene yeah. as a young band. You know, we would go up to Station Hotel and in our case see like the Stones, go and catch the Yardbirds, go and catch Georgie Fenn, whatever, the people of our generation. Um, I just don't happen to do that that, that much now, mm. just because my life's different, you know. I'll go out to dinner yeah. instead, you know, kind of thing. But um, but I can do it. You'd be surprised. It's great. I, I, I just make sure I can do it. Yeah. And, I, and all you have to do to do it is go and do it. So I'll go on a bus, and people will look at me a bit weird, you know, what is he doing on the bus? And then they go, well, he's on a bus. And I go... I'm on a bus. Some people think it's not you and tell you that you look like Paul McCartney. Yeah, you just... <laughs> I say, yeah, I get told that all the time. <laughs> I do look like him, to be honest. Yeah, I know, I know. But, you know, I used to say, I've given up saying it because I think it's a little bit uh, over the top. But it was a time in the uh, late 60s where I used to be in New York and people said, hey, man, you look just like Paul McCartney. I used to say, I wish I had his money. <laughs> and it was like so vulgar. They said, well, that can't be him. Yeah. It's one thing he wouldn't say that. I told that to Dylan once, Bob Dylan. He said, I must use that line, man. <laughs> he liked that. But no, you know, I, I get a lot of that. But I, I'm, you know, I'm from Liverpool, so you front it out. Yeah. You, uh, you know, if I see someone kind of half looking at me um, in that kind of way, I'll say, oh, I want no trouble off you, okay. I'll get right in their face. And they can't believe it. So, oh. so I got in first. It was on a, on a bus in New York. I needed to go uptown in New York. I got on there, it was just a public transport or a bus, you know. And I had the right change, you gotta have the right change. And I got in there and it was, it was crowded. But a few empty seats, so I just sat down and just said nothing, you know. That's, I knew I was having an effect, but so what? That's, that's me, you know, my life, you know. But there was some black lady who was a bit more in your face. Hey, you Paul McCartney? I said, look, I want no trouble off you, okay? Just behave yourself. And I got in her face too. So she's shouting across the bus. I said, look, stop shouting. Come and sit by me. Come here, you. And so you have a bit of a sort of thing going. I ended up finding out all about his sister. <laughs> it was great. And all the other people on the bus were all keeping quiet, chuckling, you know, the shoulders going. But I, I you know, that's, that's how I've always done it. I don't want to be a prisoner of my fame. I like to just get out and get on the street and do it. So tell me how the, um, if you're working towards an album, how does the kind of creative, pro creative process begin with you? How do you know when songs are coming? And I'll, normally, I'll normally just have a moment when I've got some time and then I feel like playing a, probably a guitar or maybe a piano, depending where I am. 
and so that's all it takes. I'll just sit down then and just play something. And if I've got some time, I will just think, okay, and where are we going here? And, and like follow the trail of, of whatever that chord was. Just go, you know. So you just kind of. Starts off crap. Yeah. I would also tune in the real world. That's near enough. Okay. Where do that? Where do that? Now, okay, there's a little bit of shape coming now from that first little crap thing. You know, so so I'm then I've got like, okay, what did, what did was I saying then? Where do that? Where do that? What's that sound like? Where do that? What did I do? I don't know. What, what did I do? What did I do? To say you got me around. What did I do? And that's how I do it. You know, I just follow that. And that's a cool song. Yeah. We just started it. <laughs> what did I do? To get you But it's great. So, you know, that's, that's the buzz for me. It's just, it's, it's really exciting thing to do yeah. and that's why I do. so I just would sit maybe for an hour or so yeah. doing that and just follow them what did I do to make you mad or to get you so that's other me and whatever and then you just try and follow it and then think okay now it's getting boring let's go somewhere else and start screaming a bit you just kind of work it out you know and I've done it for long enough now to uh have a few clues yeah. as to how to do it. Did you go? Did you go for this album? Do you specifically have an idea or a goal that you wanted to achieve? Um, because I know that it said in the press release that you were working on the last album with Nigel Godrey, mm. and then you quit these songs to start fresh with him. Yeah, I guess I was so working on these. These obviously had an idea that you wanted to keep. For yeah, them. I I was working on these, and uh, this was just my new songs. I was working on. Uh, working on them with the band, my band I tour with, and we'd just come off tour, and we just said, hey, you know, we'd have a little break, and then we'll get in the studio. So I had a few songs, we were doing that. And then uh, the idea to work with Nigel came up, and I thought, oh, that'd be quite cool. So we, I, I just transferred the whole thing and went in to work with him. With the band, we just moved studios, really, and went to work with him. But then he started to sort of say, look, you know, maybe uh, you should try playing all the instruments. He got, a, he got a concept of where he wanted it to go. He wanted me to drum, play bass and stuff. So it gradually became that album, which was just my last album, Chaos of Creation. And uh, so then after I'd finished that, I just thought, well, I can't leave this other stuff all half finished. So I went back and finished that. that that's, that's why it's quite quickly after the other one. So that's what this is. What role does a, a producer have with someone like you? Are they intimidated by your um, pedigree? Hopefully. Or do you see it like a challenge? That they, that's something Hopefully intimidated. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, you know, they're not really. And I encourage them not to be intimidated. I mean, most of them aren't anyway. Because, you know, they're good producers. And... Uh, Someone like Nigel definitely isn't. I mean, he he move he comes into a project knowing that that's the risk, and knowing that if there's one thing he must do, is not be intimidated. So he's quite you know hard not 
it comes in as a bit of a hard knock, which is good. I like that. It's good, you know. I don't like yes men. You know, people will accuse you, you know, says, well, you've got yes men all around you. Say, so, yeah, but actually you sit in on any of the things I do. It's not like that. We all just have ideas, and the younger guys will come up with an idea. We go, that's good. Wait a minute. And it gets adopted as the idea, you know. So, anyway, yeah, so it was a bit, it could have been intimidating, except for the fact that the producers themselves know that, and so they fight that. Yeah. And also, I don't want them to do it. So even if they start doing it, I stop them doing it. I say, wait a minute, you know, come on, look. Is that what you really think? You know. So uh, that's a danger, but it's one that we can overcome, you know. Clash Magazine is available online at www.clashmagazine.com as well as from retail outlets Borders, WH Smith, HMV, Virgin and all good news agents. The September and October issue of Clash Magazine hits the street on September the 3rd with exclusive interviews from bands such as The Foo Fighters, Underworld, Blondie, Moat Selector, The Coral, The Hyde, Ricardo Villalobos, Cajun Dance Party and Krautrock Rock Legends Can, as well as a roundup in all the best film, fashion and reviews and our own unique roster of columnists.